0: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
1: Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the eastern border. Nice to be back again, and... uh, This time speaking with, as you can hear, a bit more calmer voice than before and uh, with a bit more sanity, so to speak. So, what's been going on? A lot to talk about this time. This is probably going to be one of the longer episodes. Then again, what did you expect? I just uh, finally came off from a two-week vacation time, which I drastically needed. I feel how I can think again and be less emotional, you know, gather my thoughts and be there you report again, and better than ever. And I want to thank you, all your listeners, who understood, who did not write letters of complaint, and who did a great job supporting me in, um, in what I would call my darkest hours, really. But now, now I can be my cold, <laughs> cold journalist once again, redoubling the efforts to make sure that this horrible war, well, reaches a... Conclusion: Some things, of course, have been darkly humorous, but um, first of all, so what's been what's been going on? Well, first of all, about the situation on the whole front line. This fall, the whole Russian army managed to seize the initiative from the Ukraine, and now it's trying to capitalize on its position. However, it's been well quite failing. The approach in winter 2024 strategic offensive, which is mostly failed, as reported by Bild, is the same one they took in 2023, getting out many small strikes along the entire front, though not concentrating enough forces in in any one area to achieve overwhelming superiority. So, yeah, again, unsurprising that none of its attacks have brought operational success. Russia's troops have repeatedly gotten ensnared in Ukraine's defenses. Meanwhile, the armed forces of Ukraine are regularly faced with crises, but have so far, so far, Managed to hold back their opponents and even to stage counterattacks, despite, again, being short on ammunition and personnel. Russia has been able to stage its current offensive by using significantly more ammunition than Ukraine, five times as much by quite a few reports. Additionally, Russian army has deployed reserve forces to the front, which expands on strikes that, truth to be told, carry no operational value. This kind of struggle of attrition, however, threatens to pose major problems for Kyiv if the West does not quickly, and I mean quickly, provide it with more ammunition and equipment. Thankfully, well, there have been many statements and papers signed and everything about help to Ukraine, but still, I, um, I need to emphasize once again that we're talking about quickly. Time is of the essence here, so that we do not repeat the mistakes of past... past war-fighting efforts when, you know, stuff was given, but not at all at appropriate times. Almost all of the Russian military strikes currently follow the same pattern. First, armored, armored vehicles launch the attack with support from artillery, aviation, and drones. After losing some equipment but achieving the attack's first objectives, Russian troops use infantry to, gain, to try to gain a foothold on some new frontiers, but Ukrainian artillery and drones impede that efforts to transport additional equipment to the front line. If necessary, Ukraine sends reserves to the site of the attack. Then Russian infantry digs in, trying to withstand Ukraine's counterattack and to survive under Ukrainian artillery and Ukrainian drone strikes. This entire cycle generally results in the Russian army advancing a few hundred meters or at most um, a kilometer or so. so in, in severe, like few cases, maybe, maybe two at best. Russia's command accumulates new forces, tries to suppress Ukraine's artillery in the area of the offensive, then repeats the attack, they stem from its new positions. And, well, both sides are incurring heavy losses throughout this process, which is, of course, sad. And there are a lot of places where Russian troops are trying to attack in Svatovye, in Krupiansk, all over the place, but, again, Russian successes have been minor. However, everything there has been has been all the successes uh, that Ukraine has had in defending have come at a large cost. The most important point where Ukraine has succeeded the most, I'd say, is Avdivka. After uh, the Russian military successes in the fall, which came at the cost of, again, significant equipment and personal losses, the situation around Avdivka st- stabilized. Russian forces managed to cross the Avdiv-Kokovsk Railway as early as November, which put them about four kilometers from the main supply line of the Ukrainian army's Avdiv grouping. Now, however, they found themselves trapped between Ukraine's fortified positions at the Avdiv-Kokovk plant and Ukrainian reserve forces sent from the other fronts, which are now defending the western part of the village of Stiepovoje and its surroundings. The Russian army is unable to concentrate its forces near Stiepove because Ukrainian artillery is targeting Russian convoys and infantry, attempting to cross the railway. Instead, the Russian infantry in the area, backed by artillery and drones, is focusing on fighting Ukrainian vehicles, including Leopard tanks and Bradley infantry vehicles sent from the Zaporizhia region. Russia's command is attempting to break the deadlock by taking the approach it took in Bahmut. If it can't surround the city, it can carry out a systematic assault by taking advantage of Ukraine's supply difficulties. Russian armed forces are attacking the suburbs of Avdivka along the railway and the outer fence of the Avdivka Col plant from the north and the industrial zone near the Donetsk bypass road from the south. Despite having captured the industrial zone of Bakhmut, the Russian army is unable to advance further due to remaining pockets of resistance from Ukrainian forces in the forested areas and dachas on its flanks. Russian troops are attempting to solve this problem by launching attacks again from the east and, and west. Another method borrowed from the Wagner Group is the Russian army's expansion of the breakthrough area near Stipovia, with the goal of spreading Ukraine's reserves thin. In recent weeks, Russia's troops have crossed the Avdivka prokrovsk railway to the north of the plant and attempting to break through through the villages of Berchi, Novokalnovye and Oghrechenye. How the situation develops here, of course, will depend on whether Russia's command wants to continue spending resources on the capture of Avdivka. Zaluzhny has said that Russia does want this, and that Ukraine might lose control of the city in a few months. In any case, regardless of its losses, Russia's troops remain closer to achieving a major operational victory in this area than anywhere else on the front, so this is the main point, which, again, gets defended. Of course, I think that Zaluzhny said that, you know, stuff just might happen, and, again, I do not believe that he, um, you know, was wholly pessimistic. After all, his job is to get Western help. And, uh, you know, if he'd be going around telling that everything's fine, yeah, probably no help have been coming. Everything's uh gloomy now. But there is there is some hope for the Ukrainian side. Because, again, new year, new aid, and Russia has its own, well, to be frank, quite massive problems. See, that's a, that's a bit of a weird, weird thing here. Because... Right now, there is still going to be no no uh, rotation for the soldiers in russia That's the thing. there is no rotation happening. The guys on the front are the mobilized for the most part, and they're trying desperately to you know get home. Internal struggles are now getting more and more pronounced in Russia, where the mothers and wives of the mobilized are are now going on to protests. I'll get to that later, but just to explain some things, for now, Russia's situation is such that, um, yeah, a bill allowing foreigners with criminal records to sign up with contract with the Russian military has been now submitted to the duma and it will clearly pass, obviously. The bill's author has mentioned that in June 2023, the authorities permitted Russian citizens with criminal records to sign contracts to serve in Russia's armed forces, as well as those who committed crimes of minor or medium severity, and apparently, well, you know, cannibalism is um, medium severity. <laughs> At the same time, we have reports that um, some some foreigners, namely Serbians, who have um, somehow believed and been vetted into this Russian army units who volunteered to fight, yeah, they have been mistreated badly and their contact, who is now a trusted, a trusted person of Putin, in his election campaign, no less, even he's complaining about how these Serbs are being mistreated and how... Everything is just, well, pretty much being pretty ho- the color being treated horrible, and so this is not going to be easy. Russia truly is, um, is is experiencing a lot of pressure from inside, and again, Ukraine just needs to stand until something goes over. So you might have heard that there were mass- massive, massive amounts of technical, technogenical catastrophes happening all over the place and a lot of places in Russia currently have um well no heating and i mean you'd be you'd be thinking that these people are you know used to that kind of stuff however it's gotten to the point where it's being a tragedy we're seeing all over the place videos videos of people actually just going out on the streets and making making large bonfires to, to warm themselves because it's warmer than uh, warmer than staying inside in their own apartment that's like Insane a bit, but if you think about it, (laughs) this is happening near Moscow. Basically, very close to Moscow uh, as it is. And it's getting crazy. It's getting crazy because these people aren't happy. I'll get to the mothers after that, but yeah, uh, think about it. Over 100,000 Moscow region residents have lost heat this year. (laughs) That's the thing. What happened was that there was a cartridge factory in Moscow region, <laughs> apparently, basically, uh, they, they had a mechanical failure, and some stuff exploded, and some, some just blasted out, out there, and apparently, well, they called on to the region's heating su- uh, see heating supplies, so, t- yeah, <laughs> they, um, <laughs> their temperature fell down, and they were in um, horrible troubles, and uh, now, that's one of those unexpected cases that could happen, and in other regions, for another, another regions, well, I just googled up uh, hospitals freezing, and yeah, those things happen, because <laughs> this is not an nice isolated incident. For example, in Novosibirsk region, at least 124 residential buildings and 10 public facilities, such as schools and hospitals, have lost heat and hot water following a technical failure on the central heating system in the city's Janinsky district. And more and more such cases are being reported all over the place. This is because, well... <sighs> Years and years of negligence and uh, total corruption in every possible way is finally catching up. And right now, you know, when everyone who even knew how to fix these pipes and how to make things run without a budget, so that something could get going, yeah, they're mobilized and they're up in the front lines. So, so with a total lack of manpower and utter, utter absolute corruption, things are uh, not going so well, and this is just going to get worse. Literally, every Russian analyst. Right now, will adhere to this, and I haven't heard any reports about Russia being miraculously able to suddenly fix all their problems that have been, you know, caused by twenty years of um, infrastructure damage, and uh, and malpractice of of basically everything. Meanwhile, at the same time, the attitude of the authorities towards the people who are obviously unhappy and writing all sorts of uh, messages, both in Telegram and in video. Well, it can be explained by this, because uh, for one, quote, Officials in Russia's Saratov region have been, quote-unquote, strongly encouraged not to wear fur coats or expensive leather clothing to events that are covered by the media, which was reported on um, Tuesday by a local news outlet. Accordingly to the sources, uh, the officials have been instructed not to to wear fur coats in the meetings with residents. One of these sources gave more detail about the instructions, quote, the lifestyles of Saratov officials should demonstrate modesty, simplicity, and restraint. The trend is plain jackets, insulated caps. Governor Roman Busagin should be given priority to wear this particular accessory. And knitted hats, fur can only serve as a decoration, not as the dominant element of the garment. All these things will show unity with the people, or at least proximity to them.
0: One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes.
1: Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a t-shirt.
0: Until you tried it on.
1: Because yeah, that is how uh that is how you should really be be calling this because it's kind of insanity, obviously these things are happening because and these orders are not just in Saratov districts they're all over the place because it's it's Russia and well, unless they're specifically told to, unless they are explicitly told not to do such such things, you know that they're just going to do it. they are going to wear these fur coats, they're going to show off their their um their wealth in these hard times for your average Russian, which means that, uh, yeah, it's not going to be um, very much happy if they don't. I mean, we've seen studies about how the how the authorities are just there to be corrupt and everything, and uh, they do it. They do not care about your average Russian person, which just puts on more stress on the whole situation, giving that um, the event previously known as Putin's election is still coming up. Also, Russian Justice Ministry has published a document on site that contains the home addresses of four people it has declared foreign agents. This document, titled Plan for Conducting Scheduled Inspections of Foreign Agents for 2024, exposes the addresses of blogger Nikolai Sobolev, voting rights activist Sergey Piskunov and journalist Ekaterina Lushnikova and Denis Konstantinov. Apparently, well, uh, this is a massive, massive violation of Russia's privacy laws, but, you know, nobody cares. Because, once again, Russia's privacy laws and, and the actual care about these people is shown by this and the fact that they need to be reminded not to show off, uh, things, where, not to show off things of wealth and extra luxury when everyone is suffering. Meanwhile, at the same time today, earlier, a warehouse in St. Petersburg, Petersburg, belonging to Wild Buddies, Russia's largest online retailer, has caught fire, according to Russia's emergency services ministry. Initially, the ministry reported that the fire covered an area of about one square kilometer, which is about 10,800 square feet. But within half an hour, emergency workers said that the fire had spread to an area of 50, uh, of 50 square kilometers, about 538,200 square feet. And I'm good at making these conversions now. Thank you, Google. A message on the WildBody's Telegram channel said that people in the warehouse had been evacuated and the customers and sellers would be compensated for lost goods. However, this is yet again another case of um, these catastrophes that are happening all over the place. You know, things um, things are getting worse and worse in there, just because, well, just because there's nothing else, to, 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 there's no one to fix them and everything, and it's going to get even even worse, the more this war goes on for the Russians as well, which is why, I, which is why I believe that um, this whole situation is not. Not as horrible as you know some people in the Western media would like to uh, like to portray it as. And finally, Harashas Belgorod. Also, you know they've begun fortifying the city's public transport stops with sandbags and concrete, amid an increase in shelling from across the Ukrainian border. They are, they're scared, and people of Belgorod are also quite unhappy because they are also you know feeling um, stressed and cold. <laughs> the um, the governor Vyacheslav Godkov, stressed that the authorities will, quote, take the wishes of residents into account. According to their local media, many residents have expressed doubts about the ability of bricks and sandbags to protect them in a shelling attack. The governor responded by saying the protective measures are being carried out in accordance, <clears throat> quote, with the recommendations of specialists. You see, the, the women's movement finally got to that point. The movement of wives mobilized is now becoming more and more radicalized. No surprises there. If in the beginning they asked to replace their loved ones at the front with someone else, now they're ready. Now they are already demanding demobilization, and they now have increased their actions. They come out with placards and organize weekly actions, but the authorities have not even figured out what to do with them. There was one one of these uh, actions to get today, and one of them, the loudest of them, was released almost <laughs> almost immediately. Her name was. Maria Andreeva, and she's an activist of this way home. uh, Today they they went out uh, and and posted, because this is a memorial day, as they call these events, they go out and they post flowers on the graves of of the unknown soldier and all these eternal fires and all this stuff. And, you know, they're uh, they're becoming more and more aggressive in their demands. Quote, "Hmm." There are more and more one of there are more and more of us every time, says one of the protesters. If they are all dispersed, the mobilized, who still, by the way, remain in the backbone of the Russian army, well, uh then Yeah, it's gonna be pretty bad. <laughs> because then the Russian Army will just collapse. However, if these ladies are allowed to take to the squares, the their ranks will swell with more and more relatives who resent the fact that their loved ones are still on the front lines. And that's also not a nice thing because this is on the eve of um, so-called elections, and Putin really doesn't know what to do with it. They they try to do it uh, to deal with this in some sort of uh, covert manner, in a way that <laughs> that, that wouldn't really push women and uh, mobilized on the front out um, as much as possible. Like the soldiers in the front lines are being threatened to you know calm your wives down, otherwise you know there will be repercussions or you'll be sent off to die. In a suicide assault, and they kind of meanwhile can't really do anything outwardly they they can't really beat people up like if, if you remember a month ago these these wives mobilized they met in like closed spaces the no one photoed them and everything now they're coming out um like and they have their their groups even they're they're having placards and they they have this special uh, white uh, overcoat thing, white collar that they've taken as their symbol. They have a symbol now that they're coming out in in central squares of various cities, and I don't even remember any time whatsoever when someone could just go out, go out and and just you know stand with a placard in front of the Kremlin, and and protest against anything the Russian government has done without getting beaten up. But but yeah yeah this is happening and this will continue to grow. And That's the thing, by the way, about this Mari Andreeva that was arrested but quickly released. What happened is that she's one of those activists of This Way Home. She's one of the more active of the wives of Mobilized. And apparently in the video today, it was reported that she was arrested. Cops just tried to arrest her, but some other cops just ran, ran towards, ran quickly uh, to the situation. And while she was screaming, look, 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 everyone, uh, the wife of Mobilized, who was now fighting in the special military operations, being arrested very loudly, Yeah, uh, another FSB cop just ran over and said, no, 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 don't touch these, don't touch these at all. Because they don't know what to do with them. Some of them they did pay off, didn't really work. (laughs) Some of them, you know, just are just too tired of everything. And then there are interviews where, once again, various officials from the Ministry of Defense and various deputies of the GOSDUMA are stating that, no, there's going to be no rotation. And by rotation, I mean no one's going to be even taken off from the front lines. And they're just getting tired and tired. And you can't do anything with them. <laughs> Meanwhile, you know uh, it's the Russian Orthodox Christmas coming very soon, and before that, it was just, just bizarre because Putin once again met, um, met with the wives of, well, of the deceased widows. He met with widows, and it was very somber and dark when um, he managed in that conversation. Start stating, uh, start stating that you know we should all remember that Christmas is a family, um, is a family celebration, and that, um, and that Christmas is a warm, is, is a warm, uh, you know, warm thing for the whole family at a time where you know people are freezing to death. And these talking this that Christmas is a family celebration to, to these widows, and you can like see on their faces that they ju- they're just not buying it. And weirdly enough, with um, with all the situation, there are actually some mm, candidates to be candidates for president uh, who are now like gathering. Because um, in Russia, there's going to be legal opposition. There's going to be someone who's going to be, you know, plastered over as this, um, you know, beat, beating boy for, for Putin. And one of them, you know, has somehow who's now gathering uh, basically signatures to be allowed to run for candidates to be the president to be a candidate for the candidacy, basically. It's, it's a long process, obviously it is. And he met these uh, these way home activists, 14 of them, and a lot of them didn't want to be filmed, a lot of them didn't want to get their faces in public, but their stories were out there and were told. And, you know, they all, they all yelled at and said that if this general, who is now once again reaffirming the fact that there's going to be no mobilization... Uh, he apparently called them and the mobilized the most socially protected group in all of Russia, and they got super angry at him. They got angry and told you know that he should go and <laughs> go to the front lines themselves. And, and note, I don't really you know don't really share a lot of too too much sympathies with these ladies because after all, they, their husbands are out there fighting against Ukraine. However, this shows the radicalization and the internal troubles Russia is facing, and. Nothing that Russia is doing right now is in any way solving their own stuff. And they just don't know how to react to this situation because, for one, yeah, these, um, these women, well, in the propaganda of Vladimir Solovyov and everyone else, well, of course, he's been calling them you know, agents of Ukraine, agents of West, and all, all that nonsense, right? But once the movement grows, you can't really call all of them agents, and you can't really beat them up, and you're, you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. And then... All sorts of catastrophes are happening, and it's on these mobilized, on these these people who are there at the front, on on those guys, uh, the Russian offensive is going on. That's the main like backbone of the Russian offensive, which I hope will break because I want Ukraine to win, obviously. But um, it's a complex situation right here, and the thing is, Putin can't even do a new mobilization either, because that was like that September when the mobilization happened. That was the least popular Putin has ever been. And then, you know, we saw an exodus of people just leaving Russia in droves. And, you know, if, uh, and if Putin decides to do a second wave of mobilization, oh boy, then, then all of this is going to get loose. Therefore, I kind of hope that um, we, see some, we see some major fuck-ups from the Russian government in trying to solve the situation. Okay, this didn't didn't end up being as, as long as I had expected to because I had to cut some parts out and everything. But I'm back and I'm healthy as you can hear me now, and I'm trying my best. So thank you. Um please support the show on the and of course on patreon.com/slash eastern border. We're getting our merch already, finally. It's gonna be through Etsy and through printful. It's gonna be a bit of a mess, but at least it's gonna be made in like made in like print-on-demand stuff with mugs and everything, and you'll finally be able to get your Gherkin shirts and 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 all the other stuff. And uh, yeah, I I won't be even I won't even need to do shipping myself because they uh, these Printful guys they apparently have like uh, places where they do that in in the United States as well and in Canada and in in like all over the place, which means that it's gonna be affordable shipping as well for everyone. Which means you know <laughs> quite a nice thing that uh I finally finally gotten to during these, these, these weeks. Tomorrow me and Evita we're going, um, we're going finalizing like, the documents to find out the exact date when our wedding is happening, and I'll be back to work. But yeah, once again, that's the day And as always remember, happiness is mandatory. Oh, and uh, hey, <laughs> it's really nice to be back.
0: Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups.